And he did this for two years. And whether I was in France, China, Japan, Italy, it didn't matter. He would show up and, and he would say things like, you bring zero value to the company. You really don't know what you're doing. You have nothing good to say. Nobody should listen to you. And he would demoralize me. And it would always be right before I'd speak. Growing a business requires a holistic approach that extends beyond sales and marketing. This approach needs alignment among people, processes, and technologies. So if you're a business owner, operations, or finance leader looking to learn growth strategies from your peers and competitors, you're tuned into the right podcast. Welcome to the WBS Podcast, where scalable growth using business systems is our number one priority. Now, here is your host, Sam Gupta. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the WBS Podcast. I'm Sam Gupta, your host and principal consultant at digital transformation consulting firm Elevate IQ. When you think of growth barriers, you might not think of corporate bullying and executive toxicity. Sure, every company has its share of issues, but how bad can toxicity and bullying get? Can it be catastrophic for companies? Can it cause fatalities? Can it invite lawsuits? If yes, they are significant legal and financial risks that have a massive impact on the bottom line and growth. In today's episode, we have our guest, Carol Marzouk from Leadership and, and Soul, who discusses how to uncover and correct lingering toxicity before it stunts your business growth. We also had a chance to discuss the implications if you smell it, but choose to ignore it. If you are looking to learn how to fix toxicity before it's too late with compelling stories full of laughter, this is a must-listen episode for you. Let me introduce Carol to you. Carol Marzouk, the executive line tamer, has spent 30 plus years inspiring leaders and teams to impact the bottom line while retaining their soul and integrity. She is known for using unconventional methods to get real results and helps clients take immediate action, leaving the theory in the office. She has worked with leaders in a variety of industries, including manufacturing, distribution, and F&B. She also does a lot of work in the M&A space, securing the people and culture side that usually falls by the wayside as the financials are being discussed. Carol has held several leadership roles and has overseen the work of hundreds of employees. She has excelled as a speaker, consultant, coach, trainer, and facilitator. With that, let's get to the conversation. Hey, welcome to the show, Carol. Thank you, Sam. It's wonderful to be here. Okay, just to kick things off, do you want to start with your personal story and what you are focusing on these days? I would love to. I am from Mexico City. So my name is Carol Marzouk, and uh, I was actually born in Mexico City, the fifth of five girls. Can you imagine that, Sam? Fifth of five <laughs> girls. Oh, wow. Look at that. That's a large family. <laughs> a lot of family. A lot of family. My dad was actually born in Iraq and then he moved into he moved to India and then ended up in Australia and then my mom's side is from Syria and Italy and then um, they ended up going to uh, Mexico City and it, all, all sides were Jewish so that's why they had to escape and so then I was born in Mexico City and the reason why I got into this so I am super confused right now because uh, <laughs> you know I don't see any country that is not there <laughs> Tell me one country that is not there. <laughs> I'm like the United Nations all in one. <laughs> <laughs> 
That should be your last name. <laughs> I've got it covered. The last name is from my husband. His his family is from Egypt. <laughs> Just in oh, case boy. we needed another country. Um, <laughs> but the you know I think the reason why I got into this field of um, you know working with toxic executives and conflict resolution and and really working with you know, the big egos in the workplace and, um, and, and growing companies at different inflection points and helping them deal with the people side that, that constantly gets in the way of them growing their company is because, well, you know, being the fifth child, I was always kind of in the way of my sisters, I guess you could say. So you um, are telling me that you were bullied? <laughs> I was, I was actually... <laughs> I was, we were in Mexico City. You have practical experience of being bullied, I guess, as a child. <laughs> oh my goodness, Sam. We were on the, in the ninth story of, of our apartment building and they wanted to see if the stroller would yeah. fly out of the, the veranda, out of the balcony with me in it. And it was an experiment, you know, it's like, let's see if Carol flies with the stroller and if it'll land, you know. <laughs> Um, and so I, I always had to escape these these death defying things that my sisters would try to 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 put love ahead it. of me. Love it. <laughs> that um, defined me. <laughs> so it was it was really incredible, you know. And growing up, um, just always being the one that actually had to resolve the conflict between the sisters and then also my my parents and my sisters and i was always the one that was kind of um brought in to mediate and so i got really oh. really good at it <laughs> okay <laughs> and also to survive right i had to learn how to survive amongst all these different personalities it was like we were all raised in different jungles it was kind of crazy yeah i was um, a middle child myself so i can see where you are coming from <laughs> you were how many children <laughs> three three okay yeah so five and five girls is very different than you know a mix or five boys i mean five girls crazy they're crazy we're all crazy yeah. <laughs> did you guys cry all the time oh my goodness can you imagine that when everybody was kind of on the same you know you know what i'm talking about Oh my God! I and don't, I'm, I don't even know if I'm supposed to be making this comment during the show. To be honest, okay, I, I don't know how that is going to come across. Sorry. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm sure everybody's thick-skinned around here, and every, and you can say whatever you want. Yeah, hopefully um, they can take my jokes. You never know, right? <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> um, so yeah, so it's crazy. So growing up, that's how it was, and I got just really good at it. And then, um, and then later on, I started working in in law firms and um and the you know big companies and i always ended up being the mediator and and being the ones that worked being the one that worked in with the high level folks and resolving their conflict and and understanding how to coach them and mitigate the situation and and how to get everybody to see the different viewpoints and really how to understand the different communication styles and languages that everybody speaks even though everyone might be speaking english everybody really does speak a very different language yeah. um right and so that's how i got into it sam it, it's 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 quite interesting and so i was in corporate for a, a long time until i got into my own firm 
And, and that's how I got here. I'm internationally recognized. I have my certificates. You know, <laughs> typically don't like to bore people with this, but you need um, to describe them because we don't, we can't take the picture as part of the show. So you need to describe each of your certificates. <laughs> <laughs> well, really quickly, um, UCLA, uh, you know, psychology, communications. I worked with Yale School of Management for years and of course, got my certifications for executive coaching in several different areas and, um, and also behavioral coaching. I have my Lean Six Sigma Green Belt certification. And oh, it's just so boring, Sam. Please don't make me. Um, let's move on. Let's move on. Okay. So um, <laughs> let's talk about, let's talk about um, how, how toxic executives can really be right under your nose. And, um, and they could really be the, the ones that are... So, Carol, if you are moving to the next question, then we have to have one ritual here, okay? You're not supposed to be moving to the next question. The next Uh-oh. question always is you have to tell me what is your perspective on growth, okay? Oh, goodness. Oh, goodness. We don't want to mess with ritual things. Everybody has to go through that. Oh, goodness. Okay. My perspective on growth. Well, I think that um, when you're talking about growth, I think it's always about being innovative. It's, it's always about thinking organically and inorganically. So always finding new sources of growth and thinking about just value creation, right? And looking at the changes in your competitive landscape, understanding what your competitors are doing and always staying ahead of the game. You know, a lot of times we get really complacent and I worked for UL for several years and they had a monopoly for 108 years until, you know, some other people came on board and they were forced to get better or, or just lose their platform. And so it's really important to always have that perspective. And then of course, understanding and managing your exposure to risk. Right. So I know UCFOs out there are always really attuned to risk. Right. Um, Many of the CFOs that I work with are very conflict averse and not conflict averse, risk averse. And so managing that exposure to risk and how, you know, it's related to our reputation and our operations uh, is also very important when we're thinking about growth. Right. And and our financial volatility. But that's when I think about growth, I think about all of that. But being who I am, let's be honest, Sam, the the very first thing I think about, which, you know, is the bigger umbrella is the people side. Because if we are a people business, those people in our business are really part of the business that are going to take us to the next level. And if we, as the leadership, as the top of the fountain, if you will. I always describe it as, you know, you're the top of the fountain. And if you think about like a chocolate fountain, I hope I make you <laughs> a little hungry. <laughs> it's like pure milk chocolate. Can you taste it? If I you're... can taste it right now. <laughs> I'm going to disconnect the interview right now and go get a chocolate. I know, right? Um, yum. Can we not talk about food here? <laughs> <laughs> Too bad we can't give some to everybody right now. So if you're the top of the chocolate fountain, right? You're the CEO, the CFO, the COO, and you're pure milk chocolate. You're, you're the best leader you can be. Well, that's going to go down to the next level and the next level and the next level. And, and if you're not, 
right? If, if you're not, if I could take a video camera and, and show how you are showing up as a leader and how you are doing whatever you're doing, how you're behaving in order to yep. grow your company. And if you're comfortable with me showing that video to the rest of your company, as to how they should behave. I would not be. I exactly. would not be. Please do not share my voice with anyone. Please do not share my video with anyone. Okay. If that's, you know, but if that's, if, if, if that makes you comfortable, right. If you, if you would be, feel good about that video being used as training for the rest of the organization, then you're doing a great job, right? Because serving on a leadership team should, is a privilege. And so back to the growth conversation, again, it's, if you're showing up as the kind of leader that leads to, to the kind of growth that your company deserves, and desires, then your people are going to be doing the same. Yeah, so that's I agree. Okay, amazing. So yeah, so before we move on to the next question, we need to set the expectations here, Carol, okay? So yes, you, are, you are actually coming to the executive podcast, okay? And these yes. are the guys who pay you, okay? Yes. And you are calling them toxic, toxic yes. executive. Oh my God, <laughs> I, I suck. That's horrible. <laughs> Yes. How do yes, you do yes. that? You never buy no. the hand that is going to feed me. <laughs> I know. I know. Right? Horrible. Um, well, <laughs> the truth is, is that um, so the CEOs, the COOs, the CFOs tend to call me when there are other executives. <laughs> wink, wink. None of you guys. Um, <laughs> when there are other executives that are behaving badly. Um and that's, and that's what happens. And I can give you some stories and maybe it'll resonate with some of you in the audience. I mean, you know, we've got, we've got <laughs> plenty of them, but the truth is, is that these are important only because the last thing I want for you or any of my clients is for you not to be able to recognize this and also for you to leave it untouched and let it continue so that it it stunts your growth. That is a problem for me. It is a problem for me because I've lived it in some corporate areas and because I continue to see it with some of the, you know, the clients that, that come my way. And it's not okay. It's not okay. And the reason why it's not okay is not, not only is it a cry for help from these people that are in executive positions, but it's also not it's also ruining your company but also ruining the people around you it's like a virus it's a virus and right and 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 it's you know we're talking about the coronavirus i used to talk about it as i've been doing this for almost 30 years and you know i used to talk about it as being like the flu virus right when somebody sneezes on you right imagine (laughs) a chew right somebody's right next to you you feel that sam I do feel that. Let me get closer I, I want to wear a mask right now. Okay? I don't right? want to be on the shirt. Right? And so somebody, I'm sure all of us have had that experience where somebody like gets too close and they cough on you or they sneeze on you and it's disgusting, right? And you can Who feel that. Who you, Carol? It's Who so gross. You, you right? are talking about these things, the toxic, the, the sneezing, the flu. Can we talk yes. about something positive here? 
<laughs> yes, yes. Let's talk about something positive here. But um, in order to get to the positive, I have to talk about why. Um, <laughs> I have to talk about. Well, no, Sam, no, we can't talk about something positive until we talk about how to get rid of You are going to tell me, look, Sam, I'm a doctor, okay? If I don't talk about the disease, how am I supposed to be curing people? That's right. That's right, sir. The positive thing is growth, right? We have to uncover uncover the disease in order to to cure it, right? We have to discover what it is. Yes. So, so with the sneeze, you can just go take a shower because you know you've been sneezed on. But when you have some of this stuff happening, sometimes you don't know it's happening. And so you don't know you need to take a shower. And then pretty soon you realize that you're like, it's, you're really, really dirty and you don't know how that happened. And all of a sudden you've got a whole bunch of people that are extremely either you know, ready to throw in the towel, or there's a lot of gossip, or they're just not producing or, you know, and it's just too late. And it's because it started at the top with the executive team. So let's let's talk. Do you want me to talk about some stories? Please, please. And that's how we are going to relate because right now I'm actually thinking of washroom, to be honest, when I'm thinking about this conversation. (laughs) Can we go back to office? right? (laughs) I know, right? That's, that's, that's me. I take you from chocolate fountains to sneezes to washrooms. Um, so th- let's see, one of the stories that I can tell you very close to my heart um, and very well, it happened to me. I, I was in, I was in a very big corporation and I was in charge of the growth, the learning and development and growth for the whole executive team, but also for the whole enterprise Um, all of the different organizations under this enterprise. And I used to travel all the time. And part of my job was to grow the, you know, help the board and with the personal development and their growth. And also I ran the, the leadership academies for all of the different groups. And so my boss's boss would actually go wherever I went and he would, he would make sure to pull me aside right before I got on stage to talk to the board or to talk to the executives and to, you know, to deliver content or to make a speech. And he would say to me, listen, Carol, I don't understand. And just so you can, so you can picture this, Sam, he okay. was Irish. I'm trying. I'm <laughs> <laughs> so I'm 5'2". I'm 5'4 on a good day, but 5'2" usually. Um, what is that? Is that a height or what is, what is yes, height? Yes, yes, height, height. <laughs> you look tall, come on. Thank you, thank you. That's the heels on. Um, <laughs> he was 6'6", six, six, or si- between 6'4 six, and 6'6". Six, six, I don't know. I guess I, it depended if I was 5'2 or 5'4". But... That could be frightening. <laughs> <laughs> you need really and, long heels, I guess. <laughs> yes, exactly. He very, very, very deep Irish accent and he's towered over me and he just, he would say to me, I don't know why you're working here. I don't know why the CEO who is my friend, his friend, I don't know why he wants you to work with the board. I don't know why he wants you to work with him and, and run this program. He's my friend and I should be working with the board and I should be running this program. Now, he was two levels above me and he had a really big problem with me and he never, he would never give me anything good. He'd never said anything good. 
And he did this for two years. And whether I was in France, China, Japan, Italy, it didn't matter. He would show up and, and he would say things like, you bring zero value to the company. You, um, you really don't know what you're doing. You have nothing good to say. Nobody should listen to you. And he would demoralize me. And it would always be right before I'd speak. So I got really good at kind of uh, compartmentalizing it. I got very good at that. But for two years, he did that. And, and at some point, I felt like a fraud, right? Two year, like about two years into that, I felt like a fraud. That's a good because, place to be. Yeah, it was horrible. And yeah. here I am telling my leaders, you know, how to be the best leader and how to be a strong and powerful presence and it's how to stand up and all of this. And, and here I am taking this from somebody only because my paycheck is coming from this organization. And how can I stand up to this guy? And, you know, and he literally, I mean, intimidated me, right? And so I decided to do something about it. And so I, I decided that what I was going to do was I was just going to ask him next time he said that to me to tell me three good things that I've done. Yeah. And yeah. And I did. I started doing that and I was shaking. I mean, I was shaking when I said it. <laughs> I, I would as <laughs> but, well, to be honest. <laughs> yes, yes. It's a and frightening you know, situation to be in. Yes. Do you know what he said to me the first time that I asked him that, Sam? I'm curious now. I'm, <laughs> I want to know. Yes. He said nothing. He said what? nothing. Yes. He literally said the word nothing. And yeah. then um, I did it again next time he did that. And he just shook his head. And then, yeah. And then the next time he would just was silent and it took about four or five times and he never said anything, anything, nothing, nothing positive, but I still kept asking the question. And so eventually I trained him to know that I will be asking him and he started getting uncomfortable with me asking him and he stopped. And so I got him to stop. And so that was good. But you know, the, in the end, people like that, they, they have this insecurity, right? And they have this, this is like a narcissist. And the reason why I'm telling yeah. you that story, right, is because we have to learn as CEOs, as CFOs, as COOs, we have to learn how to recognize these conditions. And we have to know how to coach them because they're in your organization. So if you find that they're stunting your growth by doing this, to other people. And now these guys can manage up really well. So you've yep. got to be very good at noticing this and you've got to keep an ear out for other people saying things about their behavior. So with these kinds of guys, if you know that there's somebody that's like a narcissist, even though you might be tempted to all of a sudden like have a loud wake up call with them, right? The first rule with them is to avoid anything that might upset their sense of self, right? Because they have this, this idea that they're grandiose. They want to make sure that everybody thinks that they're bigger than they are, yep. um, right? And that's to yep. compensate for their sense of inadequacy. And that's okay, right? You've got to kind of feel a little bad for them because they have that sense of inadequacy and that insecurity. And so what you don't want to do is call them out on that. Yep. So while they may seem very confident, It conceals a very deep vulnerability. So your first goal as a CEO or as a CFO is to place their self-esteem 
on a firm foundation, not to destroy it. You have to convey respect to him or her and it needs to be recognized. So you, so what I'd like you to do is show empathy and initially gain their trust so that eventually you can, they can let you in so that you can talk about those dysfunctional behaviors. Now, for me, that, that works very well right now. I'm, of course, I'm a third party, but that's my bread and butter, right? I, I literally can do that. They trust me and they, they bring down all of their masks. Um, but the important thing that I want you to understand is that their ambitions can be used to motivate them because that's what they live off of. That's their currency. So you want to use that currency So like, for instance, if they have high potential to succeed as whatever director or whatever their VP role is that they're looking for or whatever it is, you want to use that as the carrot, as the currency to motivate them, right? Um, So the challenge is, of course, to avoid fueling their sense of grandiosity. So it helps to keep the conversations tactical. So that's one story, Sam. The next story, do you want me to go into a story about a fatality? So there was a what, fatality, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I would definitely like to get into that, but I would definitely also like to discuss some sort of scientific method here that you might be using. So obviously I can see this problem pretty much in every single organization, okay? And the reason for that is because, you know, some of the subject matter experts, they may have been with the organization for a very long time. They might know way too much that executives even don't have power to negotiate with them. And they sort of become toxic is the word that you like to use, right? They are extremely valuable for the organization, but at the same time, they are equally toxic as well for people like you if you have to hang out with them. So I can see the problem, right? So obviously I want to cover the story as well, but more importantly, I want to cover the scientific methods that he used to, number one, uncover the toxicity, toxic, toxicity, and you know that I cannot pronounce this. <laughs> so, <laughs> so how to uncover this and then how to fix it. Yes, yes, yes. Um, so the way that I uncover it, well, my process is, you know, it, it's very simple. For me, what I do is I always meet with the person. So somebody comes to me and says, hey, you know, uh, Phil, this actually just happened yesterday. Somebody came to me and said, um, this was in a a, a manufacturing space. And the salesperson was, you know, is bigger than life, right? They make, they bring in a lot of money for the company. And, um, you know, I think like 2 million, this one particular person brings in and he thinks he's just always right and bigger than life and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so he's having a really difficult time with the office manager, with everybody, because he, well, frankly, he lies a lot and appears to be greater than life. And, um, and so the, you know, the CEO is talking to me and saying, Carol, I don't even know how to approach him to tell him to talk to you. I know. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so, and so. Um, $2 million, and, right? $2 million exactly, of revenue. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And, and, you know, the thing I told him is, look, this guy is suffering that he's, he's making a ton of money. Yep. Um, he has more money than he knows what to do with. But he he's not happy because he also told me some other things that, you know, about his life. He's not happy. And most people that are like that are not happy because, well, you know that because look, Sam, like you and I are laughing, right? When we 
give love, that means that we have love to give. When we give kindness, that means that our cup of kindness is full and that we can give some of it out to other people. But if we don't have it, how can we give it? And so, so his cup of kindness has been empty for a long time and his cup of understanding and his cup of all of that stuff. Right. So he he's hurting this, this guy is in pain. And so what I asked him was, let's think about the currency. Why would he want to change? Why what's in it for him to want to even meet me? And it's different for everyone. For this particular person, it was very important to have a good relationship with the office manager because for for him, it was a status thing that if the office manager was in sync with him, that that means he owned the place. And so that's what we used as the currency because right now the office manager is not in sync with him. And so the way he's going to approach it is, hey, you've got to meet Carol she's going to help us get her in sync with you, right? Like nothing's wrong with you, right? Remember, because we can't with a narcissist or somebody that believes they're grandiose, you can't, you can't attack them at the beginning. You've got to gain their trust first. So, so that's how you do it. And then once I talk to them regarding my approach, so once I, I get face to face with them, then it's a matter of, frankly, do I like them as people, right? And I don't, (laughs) I personally don't, don't work with anyone I don't like. And even though these people are quote unquote toxic in their workplace or whatever it is, they're really good people. It's just that they're crying for help, honestly. And so that's why they're preventing the company from growing. And even though they're bringing in money, like this guy, He's actually about to destroy the company if we don't fix this, because this woman is going to bring a major lawsuit that's going to take them down oh, Wow! If, if we don't fix this. I mean, it will take that company down. Yeah, so, that's going to be a huge P&L hit. Oh, I huge. don't know how big this company is, uh, but lawsuits are not fun. Yes, it will take them down. He told me it's going to take them down. She's got so much evidence against him and some other people. That, that have abated and have the same similar issues because it's a culture thing. If you're allowing that guy, there's other people too, right? So it, it's a problem. And so once I talk, so once I talk to him and, and he, you know, he has synergy with me and he trusts that I'm going to keep our, our conversations confidential because I do. And then, then we move forward. And, and that's the scientific aspect of it is that he base it's, it's therapy. It's therapy for corporate Um, in, in a way it's, it's applying, it's applying principles, therapy principles, because I'm, I'm healing the parts of him that are unable to heal in the environment that he's in, but I'm also bringing him back into the environment and working in working with the environment that he's in or she's in every month. So not only do I work with the person, but I also work with the people that he works with. So I work with the whole team every month so that it's not like, oh, this person's got a problem. Let's send him to an island, right? And and have him fixed. It's no, it's this person's got a problem. We've enabled this behavior. We are enablers. We also have issues and we're also going to fix those issues 
And we're going to watch this person transform as we also transform. So I meet with them every month. Yeah. And uh, people issues are always bigger when you talk about any of the large transformation, whether you are talking about the ERP transformation or digital transformation or company transformation, whatever it is. I mean, you are going to have subject matter experts and always there are going to be people issues that are always going to be the top issues because of which your initiatives are likely to fail. So yes, people issues are the biggest one. They matter a lot and they need to be healed. So I absolutely agree with you there. Okay, so do you want to cover your story, the fatality one quickly? Sure, absolutely. So the fatality one was a manufacturer and this one, again, they, they were in at an inflection point of growth and the one of the operators, actually it was an operator and he was moving into a supervisory position and he was in the... He was in the machine um, and he, he was kind of servicing the machine and somebody turned on the machine while he was oh, in it. That's crazy. And um, very crazy, Sam. Um, and the, and, and the guy, the, the guy passed away. Um, and so that was a symptom of a huge problem in the culture and that hasn't been dealt with. And it all started at the top and the CEO didn't want to see it because he didn't want to deal with the people issues. And, um, and it really did start with his executive team. And it just kind of, again, like the fountain, right? It just kind of went and it just kind of dripped down um, until something happened that now, now OSHA's involved and, you know, a, a whole bunch of people involved. Obviously I'm involved. But, but what was the trigger? I mean, what was it? was it because of the internal communication? Was it because they didn't have any system for communication? What was the real problem here? The, the real problem was, well, they also were going through a merger. And so that's partly why I also got involved is because they were going through a merger. So I was looking at the people side of the, the culture um, of the company uh, that, that bought them out. But it was, it had to do with the executives at the top, knowing that there were issues with the processes and the the systems. And so they weren't a lean company. That's not the issue. But the issue was that the processes in place were not solid. They they weren't even clear. So wait a second here. So let's say if we look at the landscape of the majority of the SMB businesses or lifestyle businesses, I mean, they don't necessarily have a system or a process coordination the way manufacturing company is supposed to run. So they are typically coordinating either on paper or just manual. So do you see this risk with a lot of SMBs out there? I don't see it that often. Um, Although I just recently saw another one where there was a, a fire on a machine because it was rewired wrong and um, it was almost going to bring the whole place down. So um, it is scary because it is about communication, but more than communication, it's about comprehension and it's about the supervisors. Really, it's not just about handoffs. It's about understanding that they need to see the whole thing through. And it's about the leaders at the top caring and not staying in their offices and saying, 
yeah, they'll handle it. That's not my job. Or I don't want to think about the people side or yeah, I've got good people there. Or it's about them really looking and watching and doing 360s and really paying attention to what's really going on there and not just thinking, oh yeah, well, nothing's happened now. I mean, where this fatality happened, they've been in, they've been in business for a long time. It's never happened before. Yeah, just so, because it never happened before does not mean that it could not happen today. Exactly. So yeah, this this is a, it's not like I see it all the time, but I see it enough to say, I think the time has come where the CEOs, no matter how big the companies are, because I work with very, very big companies um, and also small companies. And, and I have to tell you that no matter how big the companies are, the CEOs really need to have an eye um, on everything. At the end of the day, they're the CEO. Yeah, could not agree more. So do you have any last minute closing thoughts by any chance? Yes, I would say, I would just ask this question. What are you waiting for? That's my closing thought. <laughs> what are you waiting for? That's it. <laughs> I hope that they are not waiting for such issues. They, <laughs> these issues are serious, to be honest, in the manufacturing facility. We can laugh all day, but people issues are serious. The communication yeah. issues are serious. And if you don't have processes in place, this could happen to anybody, any company, any person out there. So Carol, even though we are laughing here, but again, this is an extremely serious issue to make sure that you have internal communication in place, you have right leadership in place, you don't have toxicity in place. So I thank you for, for that. My pleasure. And, and thank you so much for having me on your podcast, Sam. It was a true pleasure. I cannot thank our guests enough for coming on the show, for sharing their knowledge and journey. I always pick up learnings from our guests and hopefully you learned something new today. If you want to learn more about Carol, head over to executivelinechamer.com. Links and more information will also be available in the show notes. If anything in this podcast resonated with you and your business, you might want to check other related episodes including the interview with Ben Baker from Your Brand Marketing where he discusses how internal communication influences growth. Also, the interview with Erin Koss, CPA from Site Consulting Group, where she discusses how internal communication helped her make a massive project successful despite unforeseen challenges. Also, don't forget to subscribe and spread the word among folks with similar backgrounds. If you have any questions or comments about the show, please review and rate us on your favorite podcasting platform or DM me on any social channels. I'll try my best to respond personally and make sure you get help. Thank you, and I hope to catch you on the next episode of the WBS Podcast. Thank you for listening to another episode of the WBS Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform so you never miss an episode. For more information on growth strategies for SMBs using ERP and digital transformation, check out our community at wbs.rocks. We'll see you next time.